Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Maybe some of you might not know who I am because I kind of, I pop in and pop out. I am one of the two kids pastors we have here. I do the elementary area, so usually I'm like, come in after service starts and I leave before uh, transition begins. So unless you're a parent, you might not know who I am, but uh, I'm Pastor Drew. It's good to meet a lot of you. We've had a lot of new faces here, so God blessings. Okay, you guys ready to dive into the Word of God? Whew. So... I feel like, I feel like uh, Pastor Dave stole my message. I've never got to say that, so now I can. <laughs> About six weeks ago, I started preparing for today, and uh, two weeks ago, he was like, Psh, talks about foundation. I'm like, okay, Jesus, where are you going with this? And uh, six weeks ago in my quiet time, I was hanging out in the basement having time with Jesus, and he showed me this vision of me holding this fire poker, okay? Don't ever give me a weapon. That's what I tell people, at least my wife. Um, and I got this fire poker in my hand, and he shows me that I'm just like in, into the fireplace, moving the logs and kind of getting the blaze, kind of get that initial spark. And sooner or later, the fireplace takes off. And God said, that is like what we need to be as a church. We need to be on fire, because we live in a world, we live in this society that is saying a lot of things about who Jesus is. And we need to stand for truth. And we need to live for truth. So today we're going to talk about reclaiming, rekindling that first love. And what is our perspective? So, you know, I am married. I have a wife of five years. And I have an 11 and a half month old. I'm about to turn one. I can't believe I almost had a kid that's one years old. But I'm learning about loving Jesus in a new way. Um, before when I got married to my wife, I was like, hey, I can still do my thing and love Jesus. Now you have a kid that changes everything. And uh, uh, my parents were trying to prepare me when my wife was pregnant. And I was like, ah, it'll be okay. I'll figure it out. Um, six months in, I go, what has been working for six months haven't been working, so I need to reassess. And about three or four months ago, God was just speaking to me. And he said, Drew, it's about rekindling the fire inside of you for me that will set everything else ablaze in your life. And I'm like, ooh, that is a timely word for the church because we need to rekindle the fire and the love of Jesus inside of us so that we can go spread who Jesus is into the world. So God showed me, we need to be flamethrowers. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Don't ever give me a flamethrower. Don't give me any object to hurt somebody because I have no clue. But God showed me we need to be flamethrowers for Jesus. We need to shoot those darts, shoot those arrows, and make sure they hit the target of the enemy because he has no power and he has no hold. So in Revelations chapter 2, verse 4, that's where we're going to start out today. We're going to talk about the early church. Jesus was talking about these seven churches and said some good things and then said some rebukes. And I'm going to start in chapter 2 of Revelation, verse 4, and here's what it says. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You know, the Ephesians at this church, their first deep and devotion were to, um, for, was for Christ and the word of God. They had sound doctrine they obeyed the commands. They went to church and worshiped. 
But the one thing they started recognizing, the one thing they started lacking is they were doing all these works. They were obeying. They were doing what they felt like God wanted them to do. Do this, do this, do this, and there'll be good life. But in the midst of step one to step two to step three, they forgot about love. They forgot that love is the center of all. So you can sacrifice. You can you can sacrifice, hang on, sorry, I missed my place my notes. You can sacrifice, you can serve, and you can suffer. But if you're going to do that for Jesus' name, wouldn't you want to come out of love, not just a labor of lovelessness? Because a labor of love, I do what I do. We do what we do here at Heartland because we love people. But you can only do that if it comes out of love, a place of love. If you don't rekindle your first love, then everything, in your, everything else in your life will not flow. I've learned this in a hard way, that when the first love is something else, then the dwindling of God's presence leaves. And I've learned that when I fire, when I set my heart on who Jesus is, everything else flows underneath that. Heaven just continues to awaken to me. So when you, the church, the Methodist church, they were so zealous, they were so motivated the love and passion they had to see souls witness, to go to church, to, to give sound doctrine. But then hard times came. And you know what happens when hard times come? Things pass. Things happen. And so what usually what slips away is certain things, but love slipped away. Their love for Jesus, their love for the Father God slipped away. And you know, God talks about being salt and light in the world. If we don't keep our salt and we don't keep our light turned on, we're going to become saltless, and we're going to become dark. We're not going to be growing to the things of God. How I always look at things is you're moving forward or you're not moving at all. So to devote that first love, it's talking about devotion for King Jesus. The word first in that scripture talks about priority. Okay, how many of you guys have a thing that you really love in the world? Priority, okay? We all have priorities. We all say, me and my wife always talk about what's priority of the day? What are we going to accomplish? What's most important? And we make a list. That's just because we're super organized. That's who we are. But the church in Ephesus, they were so, of all these accolades and wonderful things they were doing, but they forgot as the ecclesia, they are doing loveless labor, not love out of for God. They were just doing it to serve because that's what they knew. When you lose the passion and the fire of God, then you lose the right to stand where God has you to place. You each and every one of you don't have to be pastors. You have a platform. And your love centers on your people, on your places that you go to. Because the church is not just something that we have it or we feel a duty. Um, having two services, someday, sometimes like the second service, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm a little tired. And, I, and God shared with me two weeks ago, he goes, this is not a duty. This is your passion. And every moment I'm in church, I'm like, I'm going to worship like it's the first service. I'm going to go after God because it's, there's passion. There's fire when you go after God. And so the church cannot just be, I fulfill a duty. I come and I go. Church has to be more than that. It needs to be a love and a passion and desire. Because if it's not out of love, then it's a loveless, it's a loveless love. And it's a loveless labor. And that is not good. So Jesus warns them later in Revelation, I will remove your lampstands. Doing loveless labor, no matter how good it is, loses its effectiveness, loses who they are. So when I think of, uh, when I think of rekindling, a couple weeks ago I was in prayer time talking to God. 
And God took me back. I've seen, I've seen healings in my own life. I've seen, I've seen healings in this church. I've seen healings on mission trips. I've seen healings at conferences. I've seen the things of God move in my life in my short 37 years of life. I've seen somebody even around here got up on a wheelchair and ran around. I have seen my leg grow out an inch and a half, and that's another story for another day. But I've seen a lot of things in the move of God. But the one thing that God took me back to a couple weeks ago was, do you remember when it all started? Do you remember when the flame and the fire of God and you rekindled this love and this passion? And I'm sitting there going, God, I don't. I remember all these big events. And he took me back. As I, like I said, I've been at this church a long, long time. And it took me back to the small building across, across town. And we had, a, we had a guest speaker and his name was Matt Sorger. And he brought the house down. Long story short, my mom was laid out in the altar, and there wasn't this beautiful altar space we have now. It was tiny. It was cramped. You had to fight your way. You were on people on people. And I remember my dad being in the altar, my, uh, my dad being in the altar, my mom being laid out, and I'm going, God's like, I want you to go up. I'm like, I'm 14. I ain't going to embarrass myself. And, you know, God, if you, and God said, no, I want to do something in you. See, I went to church, but I didn't do church until we got to Heartland, until we got to Ankeny, where relationship with God became over everything else. So I went down, and I went to the little corner spot that we had in the back of the altar, and, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm near the wall, and I'm like, okay, God, my comfort zone, I'm right, I'm, I'm out of my comfort zone, but I'm in comfort more than not being in the center. Long story short, boom, I got wrecked. I went down. It felt, it felt like 10 minutes, but I was on the floor for an hour. I made a pool of water everywhere because God was dealing my heart even at 14, and that's when I started the flame and the fire of God inside of me. And out of that flame, out of that rekindling my first love, came relationships with my friends at school. And I remember I said, God, and one of the things God said is, you're going to be a witness. You're going to stand for truth. You're going to be bold. If you know me at all, I can be bold for Jesus. But anywhere else, I'm probably timid and shy. And I go, okay, God, I'm going to tell you, sixth grade to ninth grade year saw nothing happen. I was loving on people, loving on my friends. Later on, I realized I witnessed to two of my friends, and they got saved. But one friend, I helped walk through an addiction, a very bad addiction. And uh, then I realized I started praying for him, and we started talking. And uh, now I know what it is. It was a generational curse over his family. Being raised by his dad, his mom abandoned him, just felt a lot of generational things over him. Didn't know that back then, praying over him. He got saved my sophomore year. And his life changed. Because see, when the fire of God burns inside of you, you, everything else around you changes. They don't, they don't come under your submission. They, everything else changes. They rise up to the level of where you're at. Because the enemy doesn't want to be where God is. And God wants to inhabit into his church, into his people. So I'm going to tell you that God, when you carry God passionately inside of you, it changes how it interacts with you. Freedom can only come when we are free to release the kingdom. Life is measured by what we do with the flame inside of us. We are all vessels of King Jesus to release the freedom to others. And that comes with an intimate relationship with Jesus. We as the church cannot abandon our mission or our calling. God has his plans for you. In order for you to fulfill it, you need to have the love of Christ in you. And you need to focus on the number one thing, being the light and the salt of the earth.
you know, there's something that God's been dealing with me with is we live in a time where even though it's very unique, Israel's in war, Russia, Ukraine, even though it's not talked about as much, we know they're still going through things. We live in a unique period of history, but it's not unplanned by God. But God is looking for the church to rise up and take its stand as the ecclesia, looking for him to rise up and say, I will not forsake in my love and my passion and my drive for what you have called me to do. The word forsaken in this scripture, in the Greek, is aphiomi. It means to stop maintaining. Are we going to stop maintaining our love in our relationship with Christ? Or are we going to be passionate and forsake everything for the cross? Because the truth is, it's worth it. Something that God's been dealing with me lately is, um, Kim Campbell was here a couple weeks ago. And uh, she said a statement that has really just, I've been chewing on it for three weeks now. And she said this, the risk is right when the reward is Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus is always worth it. Keep the fire of your first love burning and nothing else matters. Nothing else matters outside of that. See, when we are committed to our first love, then we must have the Father's perspective. We must see things as God sees them. We can't live in fear. We must live in faith. Fear cannot coexist with faith. And in these moments of uncertainty and the crisis we live in, we need to set our minds on the truth of who Jesus is. We are going to either give in to fear and let fear rule us, or we're going to give in, or we're going to let Jesus have the authority and we're going to walk in faith. Let me tell you, faith is more powerful than fear. From somebody who walked in fear a lot of growing up, there's a lot to be said when you live in faith. I have just been learning and learning and growing, and there's a book I've been reading called Heaven Invades Earth by Bill Johnson. And it's no coincidence that I read it this week. I read this part, I'm going to read it to you. The biblical command that is most repeated most often is do not fear. Fear attacks the foundation of our relationship with God. Fear is faith in the devil. Fear is also unbelief. Fearfulness is the same as faithlessness. Fear is our heart's response when we come to an agreement with the intimidating suggestion from the devil. So I heard that, and I read that, and I started thinking, how many times does it say you do not fear in the Bible? So I did some research. 365 times in Scripture says, do not fear, do not be afraid. I think God is trying to get at us and tell us, hey, don't walk in fear. Walk in truth, walk in love, walk in hope, walk in joy. Fear is anything that does not align with God. One of my favorite phrases, acronyms, is fear is false evidence appearing real. That's what it is. When you give in to fear, you let go of your faith. And you give the enemy a hold in that. Because we need to set our minds on the truth of God. When we stand in the promises of God, then the fear we feel will flee because it cannot coexist with faith. Either you live in faith or you live in fear. And I choose to live in faith because faith is the only way up. Fear. Fear, fear reminds me of this, running in place, okay? Faith is a forward motion. My brain always says if I'm not moving forward, then I'm stuck somewhere. But faith is moving forward and progressing, 
No matter what's going on around you, no matter what you feel, no matter what you see, we need to stand on the word of God. The scripture is our foundation. This is our truth. This is our hope. This is our happiness. The world wants to tell you to be fearful and not worry. I turned on the news for the first time in a long time, probably six, seven months, and everything is, this world, fear, fear, fear. That's what they want to do. But when you read scripture, you see the hope of Jesus Christ. You see what's coming because this is our guide. This is our book. Every other book I read is good, but if it's not aligning with the word of God, then it's not giving me the faith. It's, so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to encourage you, get a hold of this, read it. So something in Numbers chapter 13, we're going to talk, we're going to switch a little bit. Moses sent 12 men to explore the land of Canaan, okay? So I'm going to read out of Numbers 13, verse 27. And, it's, and so he was telling these, his people to go to the towns and tell me if there was good or bad soil. Um, see if the people are strong or they're weak. After 40 days exploring the land, this is what came back. In Numbers chapter 13, 20, verse 27 says, And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruits. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, and the Ammonites live in Nagag, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take that possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with them said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size. In verse 33, we saw the Nephilim, and there the descendants of Enoch. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Caleb and Joshua and the other spies, they saw the same facts. They reported the same things about what Canaan was like and its inhabitants but the difference was their perspective. Joshua and Caleb saw the Lord in it because when you're faced with uncertainty, you're faced with difficulties in your lives, most of us want to probably run sometimes. I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want that situation, but we need to rise up in faith and see how the Lord see it. See it through the heavenly perspective that we need to see through the lens of heaven and not through the lens of the world. So Caleb urged Moses to go up at once and take the land he was confident they could go. But like I said, all ten of them were all, t- all ten of them were like, no, 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 living in fear, and not standing in faith. So in Numbers fourteen verse six, here's what it says: Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jebunim, who were among those who explored the land, tore their clothes and said to entire Israelite assembly, "The land we passed through explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us." Now, verse nine is powerful. Only do not rebel against the Lord. That word rebel. Man, that's what the other ten were doing, not seeing through the lens of God. And do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Two said go, ten said no. 
And the problem is the reports people were spreading because what happens is there's power in numbers, but when the power of God comes over you, we need to be obedient and not live in fear and not live in doubt. Let me, let me tell you a story really quick. Um, some of you in here don't know me. Some of you in here know me, and some of you in here know my parents, okay? And my, my dad is a non-nonsense, non-nonsense kind of guy. He just doesn't, he's all facts. He's all reality. He keeps everything. My mom's a little bit loving and passionate and, you know, more compassionate than my dad. And we love sports in my family, okay? We, we watch too much sports sometimes, but we do. Um, and every season, we, we're, we're always, like, talking about our favorite teams, how they're going to do. And I remember I'm always like, hey, yeah, we got a chance at winning the championship this year. We have a chance of being good. And then I call my dad, and my dad goes, son, what are you, what are you dreaming you're dreaming. What are you, what are you doing? They're not going to be that good. They don't have this guy. They don't have, I'm like, dad, we need hope. And he's like, son, nope, they're not going to be good. So I spend, I love baseball. So I spend six months hearing, man, we lost another one. I'm like, oh, we got it tomorrow. We can get it tomorrow. Every day I call my dad, I hear the reality of, hey, we're not good, but I choose to live in faith and not fear. We haven't won a championship in a long time, but you know what? My dad might be right, but I'm not giving in to that thought. Uh, faith will always win out. So, um, but you know what I've learned? Something I learned as being a parent is you can't be in fear. I, I know I'm a new parent at this, and I, I try and tell my kid, hey, he's 11 months old, okay? So he's not talking back to me. I'm just talking to him. Um, just so you're all aware. Um, and I'm like, kid, if you just sleep, everything will be good for me, okay? If you just rest, and you know, my biggest fear is not my wife's biggest fear because our perspectives are different. My biggest fear is he don't get that first nap in, all the rest of the day could be an overflow of ups and downs. And I'm like, so I work really hard when I'm home, get that first nap in. And uh, I'm no joke, I still live with this fear and I'm still working on this. And the biggest fear I have is if you don't sleep an hour and a half for that first nap, oh Jesus, I need Jesus, I need Jesus. Okay, because that's what happens because my kid doesn't know how to sit still. Does not know, he only sits still when he eats or he sleeps. So, but, um, and something I've learned is my wife walks in more faith about my son than I do. And God has been speaking to me the last couple months. It's like, hey, you need to walk in faith, okay? If he doesn't get that, it's gonna be okay. Any parents out there know what I'm talking about? Um, any parents who will be new parents, I'm praying for you. So a lot to learn. Um, if you're not parents yet and you're teenagers, make sure you're prepared to have kids. That's what I'll tell you. Um, but God is good because when your first love is Jesus, is everything else centers around that. If you think of Jesus in the middle, everything else, if your position's not Jesus, then what happens is everything else will come under whatever you put as priority. But the others, see, the, Caleb and Joshua, they saw faith. They saw what Jesus was showing them, what God was showing them. They saw hope. They saw the abundantness. And they did not walk in fear. We can't be fearful of the giants in our lives of those situations that come and try and trap us. We need to walk in hope and joy of who God is because the faith of Jesus is gonna sustain us than the fear of the enemy. 
So God was going to bring them to this land of Canaan so they could have it, so they could die there eventually. But it's not what you see, it's how you see it. Think about that for a minute. It's not what you see, but it's how you see it. Are you seeing through the perspective of God's eyes or the world's eyes? Are you choosing to live in faith or are you choosing to live in fear? Our first love is the only thing that matters. Our first love is the only thing that we can take hold of. I'll tell you, I really do. I love my wife, I love my kid, but I'm gonna tell you, if I'm not centered in a place with God, I'm not the best for my wife or my kids because everything else flows out of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Sometimes we'll go through life in hard things. We'll face uncertainties. How we see our circumstances must be through the lens of heaven and not through the lens of the world. My last point today is seek first the kingdom of God. We're going to read out of Matthew 6.33, and it says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We need to make a priority in our lives, in our life that God's kingdom is number one, and everything out of that will flow abundant blessing. Not always easy, but there'll be abundant joy and blessing that comes out of that. Because when we find the ability to trust him, then we'll put our hope that he'll meet every need that we have. So when I was, which was interesting, when I met my wife, we met online, did not know my wife came to Heartland. I grew up at Heartland, just hadn't, wasn't here when she was here. So we met online, and um, so I, as soon as I knew she went to Heartland, I knew she loved Jesus, or at least that's how I view Heartland people. You love Jesus when you come here. So um, not what my wife's first thought was when she met me. She's like, oh, great, a pastor. Okay, we'll finish that story for another day. But... When I, when, I was date, when I was dating her, I used to say, I used to say, hey, I can't hang out with you tonight. I've got to spend time with Jesus. And uh, so it became a running joke in our, in our relationship that I'm like, if I don't spend my time with number one, which is King Jesus, then I won't be what you need me to be in this relationship. So now I, used to, now I call her my 1A. I'm like, you're my 1A. And uh, my, I don't know how it heard, my mom heard about this. And she's like, can I be 1B? And I'm like, yes, mother, you're always my 1B. My, um, she's like, how did I get knocked from 1A? I go, have you seen my wife? Have you seen my girlfriend? Yeah, that's precious to me. Um, but I'm telling you, that's what it needs to be. My number one is Jesus. And out of everything flows out of that. Um, I'm going to finish with this thought for you. The other couple months ago, I was struggling. I spent time with God. You guys know, some of you who are parents, kids wake up in the middle of the night. They, they don't do well. I'm just being honest with you. I'm being very transparent in this moment. And I am like, okay, I'm, I'll, get, I'll wake up early. I'll spend time with God. I'm not a morning riser, okay? Yeah, I'm just not. I'm a night owl. But then I, my son doesn't sleep very well. Then I'm like, oh, I've already cut into my sleep. Um, so I said, God, you got to give me some creative, creative new shoes to look at this, okay? So a couple months ago, God said, hey, why don't you, why don't you, when you and your wife are tag teaming him, why don't you go spend 20 minutes in prayer? And, uh, I was like, that's a good thought. Now, Lord, convince my wife to let me go do that. Um, and, and now we, now we honestly, my wife goes spend 20 minutes with God. I go spend 20 minutes with God. And in our household, we call about crispy. If we haven't spent time with God, we become crispy. We become like, oh, you know. If you ever become crispy when you don't spend time with your first love. And that's what was happening. Because fear 
can rob you of your future when you let it control you. The fruit of our lives is the faith people see when we stand for the truth of God. Don't make an agreement with fear because all it will ever do is suck you down and hold you down. Because you have two choices when you start to fear things in your life. Forget everything and run or face everything and rise. It's your choice to walk in faith and power. It's your choice to giving up control and trusting in Jesus to take care of that. To have faith in God, I'm gonna have the worship team come up. To have faith in God, without doubt, without hesitation, fully invested means you step into the promises of God. I'm not saying up here that you have faith, everything's gonna go smoothly. That's not how life works. But with faith, you can handle any situation. Because all you do in fear is you give up control to the enemy. Something I felt like the Lord was showing me today, I, there's plenty of time, and I want to make room for the Holy Spirit in this place. I would love for the ministry team to come up and stand right in front of here for, come on up, ministry team. I, I'm going to do a, I feel like God wants me to do an altar call today of some things that maybe you're going through that you're facing. And I never want to take time out of a service where we don't do this, where we give you an opportunity to get saved. We don't give you an opportunity to get healed because this church is about the presence of God. And I pray that when you walk in here, you're touched by him. And I know if you're like me when I was 14, that 14-year-old boy every once in a while comes up when I start going to the altar like, Oh, people are going to look at me. This is not about people. This is about your relationship with Jesus. Don't be afraid to come up and get your blessing, to get touch, to have your be prayed for. So my first altar call is fear. If you're walking in fear of any situation that you're facing, because all it's doing is taking away from the faith that you need to have in Christ. If there's any fear, any doubt, any worry, you need to come up and lay it at this altar. Your shoulders are not as big as God's and God's shoulders are big enough to carry that weight, that fear, that lie. Secondly, if you're like, hey, I need to rekindle that love. I need to find that passion inside of me again because I'm feeling kind of crispy. I'm feeling kind of not who I should be because when you rekindle your first love, everything flows out of that. So I encourage you, if you're like, hey, Pastor, I've never accepted Jesus, this is the opportunity today to accept who he is, King Jesus, and walk in faith and not walk in fear, to walk in hope and not in death. And so, and then also, I felt in second service, if anybody is having any neck pain in their shoulders and you need prayer for your neck, whatever it is, I pray that you come up and receive healing today. And the other one is, um, I felt like the Lord said to me again, was heal. If anybody has any pain in their heel, I want you to come up and get prayed for. But just because I didn't say a word doesn't mean that you can't come up and get prayer from Heavenly Father and get prayer from these amazing ministry teams. So, worship team, go ahead. We're gonna, if you want to come on up, come on up and get prayed for whatever you need because God is here. Let him do the loving. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.